Good morning. Today, I will be reading Mark 15, 1 through 15. Jesus delivered to Pilate. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes in the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, who had committed murder in an insurrection, there was a man named called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scrounged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. weeks to preach this. <laughs> so we have we have our opening passage this morning. It, it opens very early in the morning. Still dark and the sun just starts coming up. We know what that looks like, right? What that feels like. And, and, it, and this is during the Passover. So there's a buzz going around. People are getting up. They're waking up with the sun and they're excited. They're excited. This is their Passover. Many people have come from all over the place, many miles away. This is the one time a year they get to see the temple and all the festivities and the activities. This is the one time they get to, to truly get right with God. And so there's a lot of excitement. So for most of us, if we were in this time, we would be waking up with anticipation and excitement. But there is one who's waking up this morning who's a prisoner. He's waking up in handcuffs in a prison cell. Today is the day that he pays for his sin. His name is Barabbas. Barabbas wakes up guilty as charged. He's had his trial and he was found guilty. And the wrath of what he has done is his life. He's a murderer, and he's an, an, uh, a rioter. He stood against the Roman Empire, and in that process, he took a life. And there's really nothing Barabbas can do about it at this point. Locked up, 
handcuffs, shackles. He can't talk his way out of this. There, there isn't an amount of good works that he can do. He can't promise the Romans, listen, I'll work for you. I'll do tons and tons of good works to, to overdo. There's nothing he can do. This day will end with him hanging on a cross. That's how he wakes up. Meanwhile, while most people are getting up, anticipating the day, Barabbas is getting up, experiencing what it would be like to face your last breaths, knowing the crucifixion is coming. The Sanhedrin have been up all night. If you remember several weeks ago, we had this midnight trial, this illegal trial in which Jesus was held and, and put to the, the task of this very illegal trial by the, the Sanhedrin. Again, the Sanhedrin are the, this, the, the chief priests and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's all the most powerful people come together. It is the religious leaders. And people, the, the masses look up to these people in the most highest regard you possibly can. Because these are the people that know the Bible backwards, inside out, and upside down. They're the ones that can interpret it and, and break it down. They are everything to the Jewish people. Well, they've got Jesus, and, and now they have to, they have found him guilty in their own really ridiculous, illegal court overnight, held overnight. They have found him guilty, but they found him guilty of blasphemy. And they can't, they don't have the power, the Israel did not have the power to uh, put upon somebody capital punishment. They couldn't put him to death. And that's what they want. So they had this system in place that if Israel had ever found somebody guilty in their own courts and thought that they were deserving of capital punishment, they could bring them early in the morning. One of the Roman governors would hear their case. And if if the Roman governor thought that he was deserving of a capital punishment, then he could issue that punishment and the Romans could go ahead and proceed with the execution. Well, the Sanhedrin can't go to, to this Roman governor, in this case Pontius Pilate, and say, yeah, we found him uh, 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 guilty of blasphemy. Well, Pontius Pilate's Roman. <laughs> he, he could care less. He couldn't care less. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work. So as we open, that's why when we open up the scripture in verse one, it says they, the the priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. They all get together. They're like, listen, if if we're gonna get Pilate to 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 hang Jesus, we need to get our stuff together, right? We need to get our story together. We need to come up with something that is going to threaten Pilate and threaten. Rome. And so they came up with, he claims to be the king of the Jews. He claims to be the king of the Jews because they figured, listen, this isn't good for Rome because the Caesar is the only one that is the king. And so anybody else claiming to be the king, that is a, that is a, a direct attack and a threat onto the actual Caesar, the king. And Roman. And Rome. So that's what they do. They bring him to Pilate. And he says, this is, this he says, he, he, this is the king of the Jews. Now Pilate, interesting enough, he's got to be careful too. This is a, a little bit of a, a chess match that we're seeing right now. It's kind of like a ballet. Because Pilate has already had two riots on his hands. 
Israel does not like Pontius Pilate at all. They do not like him uh, for a couple of reasons, many reasons, but a couple of reasons is one, he erected idols, statues of worship in their temple. And that created a riot. And another thing he did is he took money from the temple to help fund a, a, a new watering system for Rome. And that, so he's got two riots on his hands. And that stuff goes back up to the Caesar. Remember, Pilate doesn't have all the, po- the power. He's just a representative of the power. And, and they don't want Israel rioting. Especially during Passover, when there are so many of them. That would be very problematic. So he's got to play this game with them and, and make sure that he does carries out what his duties are, but also not incite a riot. So they bring him this Jesus, who is already half-beaten, who, who is in very meek clothing, has got a meek posture, and is bound. And they say, he claims to be a king. And Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? You? In other words, how could you be the king of the Jews? I look at you, you look like no threat. You don't look like a king. Even right now, even right now, if somebody says to you, I'm going to introduce you to a king, what do you picture? You picture royalty. You picture somebody wearing gold and purple and, and people making a big deal of him and walking with his chest out. And there's some power and error about him. Almost an intoxicating figure. That's what we picture when we picture a king. And, and he's going, this doesn't look like a king. And Jesus replies to this. He, he says that, you have said so. Now, this is kind of a, a complex uh, Greek phrase. Uh, Mark doesn't give us any help as to what exactly Jesus is saying here, but luckily for John, John does. Uh, in essence, what, what this phraseology, this, this sort of phraseology that they would use back then in this way, it, it was to say like, yes, I am, I am the king of the Jews, but not in the way that you think. That's what Jesus is responding here. I am the king of the Jews, but not in the way that you think. He he gives us a little bit more in in John. He says, Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. This is the the issue with so many people have today with Jesus, is it not? So many don't recognize him as the king. They don't see him as the king because he's not the king of this world. He's the king of the kingdom of God. A whole different king. Operating in a whole different kingdom. But that's all the Pharisees needed. The the Sadducees, the chief priests, hear him say, "I, I am... And they don't care what else he says after that. And in verse 3, they begin to pile on. And the chief priests accused him of many things. So they're just piling on. They're they're trying to substantiate 
these claims and, and everything that they're giving them is a, is a throne. He refuses to pay taxes and just all kinds of stuff that, that is going to be a threat to Pilate and Rome. So in verse 4, Pilate turns to Jesus and he says, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? You've got to understand, Pilate's not buying this. He doesn't believe it. He, he thinks this, this is like a, a pride issue. There's a jealousy that's taking place. He's not fully convinced that this Jesus is much of a threat to him or Rome. And so he's kind of looking to Jesus to stick up for yourself. Have an answer to all of these things. This isn't Pilate's first royal. This happens every morning. You wake up and he's got to go out and deal with this, this court system. And, and the way that usually looks is that somebody is accused of something, and then the person who is accused has an opportunity to defend themselves. Uh, especially if you're innocent, right? Uh, even the guilty is going to try to defend themselves. But certainly the innocent. And in verse 5 it says, But Jesus made no further answer. So that Pilate was amazed. Pilate was amazed. Here you are, an innocent man, and you say nothing. Pilate didn't have any idea what was going on, and he was amazed. How much more amazed should we be? Because we know what's going on. We have watched Jesus Time and time again in the book of Mark, Mark has told us over and over and over that Jesus' intelligence and wit and knowledge and wisdom and understanding far outweighs the Sanhedrin. How many times has the Sanhedrin tried to catch him in a trap, tried to catch him saying something that he shouldn't say? Or try to present to him something that he didn't know or couldn't come up with the answer. And Jesus effortlessly makes them look stupid. Remember? All of those times? To the point where it says, Mark says, nobody dared even ask him any more questions. They were just done with it. Do you know how easily Jesus could have gotten out of this? So easily. It would have been effortless. But why does he not give an answer? There's going to be a day when you and I stand trial. We will be before the courts of the Lord. And we will be asked to give an account and a reason for the way we lived our lives and the sins that we've created and made and did. And, and sometimes we think, well, maybe I'll be able to... Listen, it's one thing to talk back or to have a reason or an answer for, for another human being or to another human being. It's a total another thing to stand in front of a holy, righteous, just God. I guarantee you on that day, you will not have an answer. Unless your answer is Jesus. And so we see here again Jesus taking on... Sin for us. He knows that you and I don't have an answer, so he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't answer for our sake. What a beautiful and amazing 
mysterious thing. Amen? Incredible. So it's a custom. Now Pilate's like thinking, okay, this isn't working. He's not helping himself. Uh, you know, I don't... He's really against what... He's up against doing what is just and what is popular. Okay? If he, if he, if he, if he doesn't... If he says, listen, sorry, I don't find this man guilty enough to crucify. I'm releasing him. He's terrified of the riots. We have to see something too that the the Sanhedrin has worked this all in. They went and gathered a crowd. Okay, they went and gathered a crowd. They knew that they could work up. This is this is very very early in the morning. There wouldn't typically be a crowd at a trial uh, during the Passover this early in the morning. And, and yet there's one there, and so we can only assume that the Sanhedrin is responsible for that. And so this is putting even more pressure on Pilate. There's all these people here, and they're fired up. The Sanhedrin has gotten them fired up. And, and, so, and so he goes, okay, what, what can I do? Then he thinks, I've got this guy, Barabbas. Barabbas is in prison right now, ready to, 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 to hang for uh, murder and insurrection or revolt against, against Rome. He's a murderer. And, and it's a custom for him to release one prisoner during the Passover. So he figures if he pits these two against each other, he, they'll, they'll take the innocent man and, and allow the murderer to justly and rightly hang for what he's done. So he says in verse 9, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Now, you've you got to picture Barabbas at this moment, right? He's in his cell. He's awaiting his execution. And as he's sitting there, guards come to retrieve him. And, and, and we don't know his reaction. The Bible doesn't tell us what his reaction is, but what would your reaction be? Here come the, 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 the guards. This is it. Right? This is it. You're coming, they're coming to get me, to hang me. In the most gruesome, horrific, embarrassing, shameful way known to man throughout all of history. This is not going to be fun. But this is, this is where we're at because we're guilty. And so the guards come. There's a lump in our throat. We swallow hard. It's almost too much to bear if I put myself in Brabus's shoes. And the guards come and get, get us and we walk down. And then all of a sudden, instead of walking that way, the way we thought we were going to go, we take a right. And before you know it, we're in handcuffs and shackles before a crowd. What's going on here? And we have Pilate, we see Pilate say, Would you like for me to release the king of the Jews? And we wait. Are they going to release? Is he going to release this guy? But in verse 11 it says, But the priest stirred up the crowd to have them release for them Barabbas instead. So they start screaming, Release Barabbas. Release Frank. Release Eddie. Release Joel Release Jake. 
What's going on? You're standing there in handcuffs and shackles, confused. You might be set free for this guy. You don't even know. And so he says, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? In verse 12. And the crowd began to cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Why, Pilate says, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate, a man who fears man more than he fears God, released for them Barabbas. Barabbas, Jake, Frank, you can go free. And in your place, he has Jesus scorched and delivered to be crucified. We don't know what Barabbas' reaction is to all this. We just don't have the history. But he's got a choice here, doesn't he? I mean, he can go free and just think, wow, I got lucky there and move on with his life. Giving really no paying no attention or not much attention at all to Jesus. Or he can keep his eyes on Jesus and actually witness. He is in a very unique position. He can actually witness Jesus Christ hanging on the cross that was made for him. What an incredible thing. And, and that's the decision that w- the world has. Amen? Because we know that the world is Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. You're Barabbas. Jesus took our place. And we can choose to just live our lives. Because we're free. We can choose to just live our lives. Ignoring the fact that somebody hung where we belong. Or we can look onto that cross. We could put our faith in that cross. So that when our day of trial does come, and we need to give an account, we can point to the cross. We can say, Jesus Christ paid my debts. We're a blessed bunch here this morning because that's what we've done. We're, we're a church who has looked onto that cross. We know that we will not stand before God on our own, but we stand before God because of what Christ has done. That is what our faith is in. But there's so much more to that cross, to that substitutionary sacrifice, than just my entrance into heaven, just that my soul is saved. What that buys me right here and right now is a true and an intimate, perfect standing and relationship with God. Think about the implications of that. Him hanging on the cross for me didn't just buy my past sins, my current sins, 
It also bought my future sins, every sin. We have too many Christians walking around feeling condemned, feeling guilty, listening to the lies of the enemy, the accuser. We need to make sure that we are looking onto the cross. Because we truly are free. We are free indeed. Amen? There is no more condemnation. When Jesus, we're going to read in a little while, in a couple weeks, what does he say? It is. That allows you and I to walk free. Live free. We have full access, full reign into the heavens, to the God, the throne of God. We stand before God and God looks onto us and loves us like he loves the Son. You are loved like God loves the Son. Think about that. We could spend a lifetime meditating, trying to, to drink all of that in and not even get close to the implications. The gospel is not only life-giving, it is life-sustaining, it is life-growing, it is the position in which I am able to walk more like Jesus Christ, to be bold like Jesus Christ, to have faith in Jesus Christ, and I will fall and stumble and bumble, and every time I do, the cross remains there, and just as prevalent, just as real, as when I needed it the first time. Amen? We walk not in condemnation, not in guilt, not in shame, and not in boasting, not in arrogance, but as broken, stumbling people, following the best we can, our loving Savior, our King, Jesus Christ, who's done it all for us. Amen? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the cross. I don't even have the words, in all honesty. Father, as we, as we look at this picture, Father God, as we even see that they, they have bound you, Jesus, they bound you in the beginning like they, like they bound the sacrificial, the sacrificial lamb, that you truly came and gave yourself, offered yourself as a sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice for my sin, past, present, and future. Oh Lord, please put it on my heart to proclaim this to others who don't know it, who have not yet experienced it. God, and, and please help me to walk in the truth of this. That everything that I do from here on forward isn't driven by uh, looking for acceptance or approval. It isn't looking for to, to, to fulfill some sort of religious obligation. But it is driven by this overwhelming sense that I am loved beyond my conception. Help us to live lives out of that posture. Then we might be truly people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.